This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. On the line is Michael Swain, Executive Director of Freedom of Religion SA. I'm just going to get straight into greeting him this morning. Good morning, Michael. Hope you're well. Good morning, Beth. Thank you so much for having me on the show. What Good morning a, to your listeners. What a pleasure. Michael, I don't remember how many months ago it was. We were having this conversation, and you were saying there might be this bill passed that would prohibit you from being able to share openly about your faith. Can you take us back to that conversation around about and what it was that we were listening to and thinking about as believers? Will it be legal to share our faith? Well, one of the big problems that we have as we have dealt with this uh, hate speech bill, uh, which is again at the moment in the committee stages before yeah. Parliament, is that potentially it criminalizes uh, speech and the definition of hate speech, which it has, is really broader than the, uh, the definition that is protected by the Constitution. Mm. Now, I think it's worthwhile just stepping back for a moment and saying, well, what actually is hate speech and what is it not? Mm. And, you know, hate speech is protected, or, or, or should we say free speech is protected by yeah. a prohibition on hate speech in the Constitution, which effectively is an advocacy to hatred, combined with an incitement to do harm. Mm. And a typical hate speech would be, kill the farmer, kill the boer, for example. Mm. Who do we want you to hate? Farmers, what do we want you to do to them? Kill them. That is classic hate speech. That would not be protected. But the problem is that once you broaden the the, the definition of what hate speech is, you effectively limit what free speech is. And the hate speech bill, which, as I say, is currently before Parliament, was very concerning, and is very concerning, because it broadens the definition of hate speech. You only have to have, like, one element uh, open. So, for example, if you say something which is harmful, just harmful, uh, and and harm, by the way, is interpreted in that bill as sociological harm, uh, economic harm. Now, what does all this thing mean, psychological harm? What does that mean exactly? And it becomes so vague that just about anything that you say could potentially amount to hate speech. And yeah. the hate speech bill specifically criminalizes speech. So a first offense is a three-year jail sentence. Wow. A second offense is a five-year jail sentence. And so here you have a, a, a bill which, although, and, and it, it is worth saying this, mm. when this bill was first presented and put forward, we for SA lobbied extensively. There was a big pushback from the faith community of South Africa. And they put in a clause in the second draft of the bill, which protected legitimate bona fide uh, speech from in, 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 in a religious context. Yeah. But the, the deputy minister subsequently said, well, he didn't believe that that would protect the same speech that you might say in a church if it was repeated outside a church. What kind of a protection is that therefore? I mean, if you repeat something that you've heard in church on a Sunday that your pastor has said, and it might be something about maybe marriage, or it might be a relationship between husband and wife, or whatever it might happen to be, and you then go and repeat that, and somebody says, well, I find that to be harmful, that offended me, that upset me, Hmm. potentially you could go to jail. So these things are very, very important that we keep an eye on them. And we have done everything we can. I mean, last year we rallied over 100,000 people made submissions against uh, this new definition Mm. of hate speech. And we're hoping that we're going to obviously uh, have that ironed out in the committee phase. Ideally, we wouldn't have this law on the books at all. It shouldn't be criminal. 
I was having a conversation with someone else from Forza uh, around this, and I think the t- the comment that she made as we finished this convers- uh, finished the conversation that day was, I think it was with Nadine, and as we finished the conversation, she says, and there's this young man by the name of Simeon Bradley Chetty. And I'd love to chat about what happened because that was the, how we ended the conversation, saying someone's pressed charges against him. We're going to have to see what happens. And here we are wondering what precedent has been set and, and what is the outcome. Tell us more about the story, uh, Michael. Well, the Chetty case was a very interesting one, actually not brought under the hate speech bill, which, again, is not law yet, thank God, mm. but brought under the Equality Act, or PAPUDA, the Promotion of Equality and Prevention of Unfair Discrimination Act. Yeah. And this involved a young evangelist who basically shared his faith and his testimony of what Jesus meant to him and, and how he had given his life to Christ. Yes. And a local uh, Hindu association was obviously offended by what he said and literally it took him to court uh, under the definition of, of hate speech and accusement of hate speech, uh, under the definition in the Papuda Act. And of course, again, thankfully, in the meantime, uh, we, as for as for say, we were a friend of the court, and a massive judgment was handed down in the so-called Kulani case by the Constitutional Court, which basically struck down the very overbroad definition of hate speech in the Equality Act. Formerly, that act said that speech that was hurtful for example, would, would amount to hate speech. But again, hurtful, as the Constitutional Court correctly said, is irredeemably vague. Yes. And so now we have a definition which is much, much, uh, if you like, narrower in mm. terms of speech that will be actionable. And that, 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 is, that is speech that uh, obviously does not amount uh, to an advocacy to hatred or an incitement to do harm. Mm. And those two elements must run together. And it must be something which a reasonable person would would believe would actually have that effect. So, thankfully, the constitutional provisions uh, for free speech have been reinforced by the Constitutional Court now. And as a consequence, uh, in in the Kulani matter, when we went there, an agreement was reached between the parties, uh, whereby, Mm. yes, uh, you know, Mr. Kulani did uh, say that he apologized in case people had taken offense or had found his uh, comments offensive, but he obviously did not apologize for the comments themselves. And he did obviously stress that he didn't intend to cause anybody hurt or harm. Um, But obviously, uh, the most important thing there is that we must respect one another's rights. And, Mm. you know, we must respect one another's opinions, even one's opinions about faith. And you cannot hold up a standard which says, well, if what you say about your faith offends me, uh, you can potentially be be taken to court and 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 penalized. You know, mm. the, the Hindu Dharma Association originally wanted a million rands worth of damages. Uh, they wanted Chetty to, to uh, do two hundred hours of community service. Wow! Uh, and, 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 and I mean, you know, it, that is penal. And thankfully, the matter has now been settled. It wasn't judged by the court. That's very important to say. The court never actually reached a judgment. The magistrate said that. Uh, the parties must basically work out an agreement between themselves, which they did. It was a, a, an amicable settlement. It's unfortunate that the Hindu Association has subsequently uh, claimed some kind of a victory. It was not a victory. Um, in fact, it was a victory for free speech, mm. because uh, what he said evidently does not amount to hate speech. Uh, it isn't, for example, uh, vilifying. It, it isn't, doesn't, didn't include any element of detestation. The bar is very high for hate speech now, thanks to the Kualani case. And 
that is, I think, a very good thing. It, it, for us, it, it's a big uh, win because it means that speech that is protected now um, is, 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 is broadly protected. Free speech is, is again, broadly protected. Mm-hmm. And we're certainly looking to see those definitions now being changed in both the Equality Act, which is what the Constitutional Court said that Parliament must do within 24 months, and also we're expecting it to be changed in the hate speech a bill as well. Yeah, Michael. Also important to know this isn't anti-Christian. I mean, this is just this could this could go either way. But uh, for people who just think you know this is another thing against Christianity, this isn't necessarily anti-Christian. It still doesn't make very good sense in itself, as you've just explained. But this isn't uh, an anti-Christian idea. No, not at all. I mean, you know, free speech is the bedrock of a democracy. Yeah, and. Obviously, you need free speech in a democracy because we need to have robust and constructive debate. We need to have people sharing ideas coming even from opposite ends of the spectrum because somehow in the middle we start to find one another Mm. and hopefully come up with better solutions and produce and create a better society. I mean, you can think of some of the things that have in times past been considered to be absolutely right and normal, uh, but because there was free speech allowed and there was pushback allowed, uh, laws were changed. Yeah. I mean, look at, look, look at women's rights, for example, and how important it has been in the last, say, only 150 years or so uh, for women's rights to be increasingly recognized to the point today where they're viewed as equal. And uh, th- that is a very positive thing. That is why we need free speech to function in a democracy. So um, the way forward here, um, you spoke about submissions coming from the public. Uh, I'm guessing it's closed for that now. So what's the next step in this particular hate speech bill uh, going from where we are right now to where hopefully we can see some kind of resolution and it's going to be something far more sensible than what it currently is? Well, we, we are currently um, meeting with uh, people and, and, and really starting to lobby directly. Uh, it's now in a committee phase. Mm. But once the committee has considered it and they pass it on, uh, assuming that they do, assuming this bill... Look, this bill, by the way, has been dragging its heels for literally years. I mean, it's been on and off and on and off. Uh, we would like to see this bill actually uh, put to rest, principally, by the way, because we already have uh, a potential criminal sanction are in law already existent. So, for example, you might recall that um, Elie Sparrow and Vicky Nuremberg were also charged with a crime of crimen injuria, mm. um, which is basically saying something, or can include saying something, which is so sort of detestful and vilifying and it so undermines their dignity that it actually does amount to a criminal act. And we have that already on our statute book. So why do we need this extra law? Uh, it, 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 is un, it is an unnecessary law and very dangerous. Uh, really, internationally, according to international uh, agreements and statutes, uh, criminalizing speech, literally, to the point where you could put people in jail, is, is an extreme thing to do. And we don't believe that it's necessary in our free and democratic nation of South Africa. That's the voice of Michael Swain, Executive Director of FORSA, Freedom of Religion SA. Thanks for the work that you do representing so many of us. And uh, thank you so much, Michael. Hope we can connect again in the future. Thank you. Look forward to it. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.